You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on my personal Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing and want to stay tuned for the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis or catch up on previous episodes you may have missed, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Doing so is always free and makes sure you never miss a beat. On tonight's episode, I thought there would be a couple of uh, fun topics to go through. There are some interesting NHL updates from around the league that I felt would be pertinent to share for a lot of you who are interested maybe in like, you know, streaming NHL games online or perhaps looking for a new sports provider because it sounds like the NHL is in fact moving its broadcast to ESPN. I'll get to a few thoughts on that in just a moment, and then later in the episode I did want to talk a little bit about uh, the Manitoba Moose game against the Stockton Heat tonight, which was unfortunately another OT loss, but there were some really good takeaways that I think you might actually get a little bit of hope from. And then the final thing I wanted to talk about is reminiscing on one of my favorite Winnipeg seasons of all time, and something that I got to experience firsthand, uh, one that's been making the rounds a little bit on Twitter, those moments from the uh, the Nashville series against Winnipeg in 2017-18, and how that all made me feel and why those moments for me as a as a fan and somebody who really enjoys uh, you know the Winnipeg Jets why it was so personally important but before we get into the mushy feely stuff I did want to talk a little bit about the ESPN merger with the NHL starting with uh, the next season 2021 to 2022 which for a lot of folks has given them some mixed feelings. Some folks are really in love with this move because I feel like NBC and some of the other broadcast stations have done an okay job, but maybe not great in terms of giving uh, viewers a lot of variety in terms of platform viewership. From my perspective, ESPN for a long time has basically pretended the NHL hasn't existed, and it's it's a bit of a running meme that in general ESPN coverage of hockey is just very poor. A lot of the folks that would actually be experts in this field, ESPN let go some time ago, and, you know, I I just don't really know if they have the kind of staff that are going to be able to put out really high-caliber broadcasts on a routine basis. That said, based on the structure of the deal that has been announced, we will have ESPN for the next seven years, uh, four of which will have some interesting stipulations. It sounds like there will be some Stanley Cup playoffs coverage, including some Stanley Cup finals coverage. But it seems like it only covers certain rounds and certain phases of the cup finals, and it feels like other networks like ABC and a few others get the rights to those games. Very interesting structure, I feel like. As far as the rest of the deal is concerned, it does sound like we get 100 games with ESPN each season, and 25 of them will be network exclusives. You'll also be able to watch some of these games on Hulu, which is another neat feature, I feel like. Um, But overall, my impression is that ESPN is doing like a, a bit of a timeshare here. At least when it comes to, like, the broadcast TV rights, because it doesn't seem like they have all of them. They have most of what the NHL would offer, like, a major partner, but it doesn't seem like every single broadcast is going under this umbrella. This is all just based off the publicly available information, which right now is still a little bit limited. But we did have one really exciting part that I felt would be the most relevant to discuss, and that is ESPN Plus getting a ton of -of out-of-market games, over a thousand games per season. 
And if you are a fan of an out-of-market team, which I am in this case, I'm, I'm you know someone who lives in the U.S., uh, specifically the East Coast, but you know is a Winnipeg Jets fan, this is probably one of the best outcomes I could have asked for because I, I honestly don't like NHL TV that much. And you know, paying for NHL TV, only getting NHL games, some of which are blacklisted in my area if it's like Winnipeg against you know the Washington Capitals or something. It gets a little tiresome, but you know, ESPN Plus will have some coverage blackouts, but what I find really interesting with this whole thing is that ESPN Plus, for me at least, is one of the biggest values in all of uh, TV streaming and online services. If you've never subscribed to ESPN Plus, it is a fantastic value package. You get a ton of international football, you get some fights, you get, uh, I don't know, there's like countless sports that they seem to cover. They've already messed around with some NHL games before which was probably something of an early pilot for the service. They've also got some other really interesting sports out there. They, I think they have some tennis. They've got college football. I mean, ESPN is such a really broad umbrella that once you subscribe to ESPN+, Plus, I think you'll be thrilled with the package itself. It's also really inexpensive. Right now, I feel like the subscription fee is somewhere around 6 or $7 per month, and that's, that's definitely going to increase, especially as more services and more sports are rolled into it. But overall, I feel like the value proposition, when you think about... You know, something like NHL.TV's package has always been uh, around $120, and now you're going to save a huge amount of cash because if you already have an ESPN Plus subscription, you won't need to really change anything as far as I know. And let's be honest, a lot of us have probably taken advantage of the fact that you get ESPN Plus, Hulu, and Disney Plus as part of like a, a single streaming package for like $15 a month. In terms of sheer value, that's just amazing packaging, and I feel like ESPN Plus acquiring the NHL.TV broadcast out of market rights is fantastic news for anyone who is a value-conscious and budget-conscious sports fan. I feel like this is the best possible outcome for a service that, let's be honest, ESPN hasn't always given the NHL much attention. I will say that the ESPN Plus interface isn't quite as well developed as some of the other major streaming services. I feel like it is at times a, a little bit unresponsive and sometimes it's a little bit buggy. But overall you have to really like it. Especially when you're considering the price point which for most folks will be at an extremely affordable rate. And I feel like this will make the NHL a lot more available to, to far more viewers and might see an increase in TV revenue. It'll also expose a lot more potential viewers who maybe aren't giving the NHL much attention right now to a sport that might actually be up their alley if they were just to give it a chance. I feel like ESPN's marketing and exposure power will give the NHL something that it really has needed for some time, especially in the digital sphere. I think NHL.TV as a service tends to be pretty niche, but if you if you roll it into like Disney's uh, whole streaming service and package with ESPN+, Plus. You, you make it a lot more broadly available to a huge audience that maybe wasn't even considering it before. This I see as like an absolute win, and I think for a lot of folks, once they start to see the, the really great benefits of moving to ESPN, people will be pretty thrilled. It's been a long time since ESPN last hosted hockey, but maybe we'll get, you know, Gary Thorne back or something on these calls, which would be super cool. I genuinely see a lot of potential in this broadcast deal, and hopefully the Jets end up benefiting too, because let's be honest, I think a lot of people don't really pay for streaming services and try to use like illegal pirate streams or whatnot. Because NHL.TV has always been unreliable, it's expensive, it's not that great. Now you get a fully, you know, 60 frames per second service, pretty good signal reliability, really great diversity of sports to choose from, and it's all under ESPN's umbrella. Most notably at a great price. I feel like that whole value proposition just makes this a fantastic deal. I already subscribed for Bundesliga football, Serie A football, and all that great stuff, so... As, a, as an ESPN subscriber, I couldn't be happier. I'd love to know what you think of the merger, though. Let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and maybe I'll discuss your thoughts on the next episode.
For now, though, we are going to transition to actual hockey talk, and in just a moment, I'll tell you a little bit about some thoughts from tonight's uh, Manitoba Moose game versus the Stockton Heat. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about the Built Bar Madness Bracket Challenge. For those of you who are longtime listeners of this podcast, we've been telling you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. You know which flavors I recommend as starting points. You know they've got some really great new flavors. But, of course, when it comes down to it, only one flavor can truly reign supreme. What is a Built Bar, though? It's the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber great-tasting protein bar that's always coated in 100% chocolate. But when it comes down to it, of all the Built Bar flavors out there, only one can truly be the best. It's time for Built Bar Madness. On today's Rumble matchup, we've got German Chocolate versus Salted Caramel and Mocha Love versus White Chocolate Birthday Cake. For those of you interested in a richer experience, I have to say that German Chocolate over Salted Caramel makes the most sense for me. And then in bracket two, I feel like the uh, the Mocha Love flavor is going to get the nod for me. I'm always very partial to uh, anything coffee flavored, so of course the Mocha Love flavor is naturally going to appeal to me. But be sure to make your voice heard at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets and vote today. While you're there, be sure to place an order and use promo code LOCKEDON20 at checkout to receive 20% off your next order. Don't forget to peek back at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash bracket to see who won the challenge. Welcome back to this episode of the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast. We talked a little bit about the ESPN deal with the NHL that'll span seven years earlier in the episode. And now it's time to move on to some actual hockey action. Even though the Jets were off tonight, we actually have Manitoba Moose versus the Stockton Heat in the AHL. But before we talk about that, I did want to tell you a little bit about why Locked On Today needs to be in your daily podcast rotation. We've got you covered for everything you need to know about the Winnipeg Jets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. And now, speaking of sports news that is a little bit different than the Winnipeg Jets, it's time to talk about the Manitoba Moose in a very close 3-2 overtime loss to the Stockton Heat. They actually lost the other day against Stockton 6-5, but that game was a lot crazier. This one was actually a bit of a reversal of that game. Because in the first matchup, Manitoba was the team outproducing and outshooting the uh, the Stockton Heat, but unfortunately, a couple of sloppy penalties and some bad penalty kills later, you know, the Moose found themselves in a bit of a deficit. At that point, Manitoba had managed to climb back into the game and tie it, but unfortunately, you know, in overtime, crazy things happen, and the Moose ended up conceding. This game had a very different feel. Manitoba, especially in like the opening 20 minutes or so, was really under the gun. It felt like Stockton was snuffing out every single counter, constantly hemming the moose inside the defensive zone and really sealing off the walls and exit outlets that the moose are known to use. So it was definitely a very frustrating first 20 minutes. And of course, uh, you know, Stockton ended up scoring first. Emilio Petrosciano has been a real pest in this entire series, open to the goal scoring for Stockton. But then Skylar McKenzie, on a power play a little bit towards the end of the period, ended up equalizing the scoreline, and Cole Perfetti and Declan Chisholm actually had points on this one. You can probably hear Squidward writhing on the ground yelling future somewhere on this one because that's exactly how I felt watching Perfetti and Chisholm work together beautifully on the power play to get a nice goal-scoring opportunity. In the second period, the Moose started to wake up, and guys like Christian Reichel and Marco Deneau, both of who had been absent for some time from the lineup, both came back and looked very strong in their returns. Deneau was especially impressive, uh, you know, considering this was his first game of the season, I thought he was very sharp. He had really great rushes off the counter, I thought he generated some really high danger chances, he was very physical, very fast, willing to split the D, even had a breakaway chance at one point. 
This is a lot of what makes him a very effective player, and I feel like the NHL constantly whiffs on a guy like this because, you know, his his skating stride is very choppy. He doesn't look like an attractive player in certain areas, but once you actually dive into his mobility and the way that he propels himself up the ice and into corners, what you actually find is that he's very similar in a lot of ways to the way that Cop and uh, Mason Appleton approach their really direct net front driving presence and for checking industry, you know, he's a very, very high engine, high work ethic kind of player, somebody who constantly drives towards the uh, the puck carriers, wants to make turnovers, and is always spying a skating lane to drive a transition back up the ice. I feel like he's so good at this on a consistent basis. It's just a very details oriented sort of thing married with like a really high work ethic. And that he does it so successfully just makes me wonder how he hasn't been able to, to uh, carve out like an NHL role yet. In many ways, he's more of a, uh, a Paul Maurice player than, you know, a guy like Nate Thompson. I feel like Deneau is a good penalty killer. He's granted even strength. He's just a super smart forward who also happens to be really industrious, and I feel like his hard work just doesn't get appreciated at the NHL level as much as it should be. He also has pretty soft hands, and he could pull off some really great passes and had a number of really dangerous shots. So, again, I'm just surprised that NHL teams don't always pick up on these things, because if I was a pro scout, I'd be banging the desk about this guy. It's not just that he is a statistical profile darling. I mean, this guy is just really good at doing a lot of these detail-oriented plays and being a really nice defensive presence, especially when you're on the back check. He can pretty much do whatever it is you ask of him. Speaking of guys who can do whatever you ask of him, uh, David Gustafson for me was probably one of the best players on the ice tonight. He was definitely Manitoba's star player. That dude was just everywhere. I I feel like his incredible net front drive, his ability to crash the slot and not really lose control of the puck, his passing, his shooting, his puck shielding, his strength and balance when he was under pressure, his ability to get off really great shots... Uh, This dude is just a monster. It's clear that at the AHL level, he basically just controls the tempo of the game because he can either blow by you or slow the tempo down and really drive possession inside the offensive zone. He's, again, another player who's very industrious and has a high work rate, but I I just feel like Gustafson is really poised to do so much more at the NHL level if a coach is lucky enough to recognize that this guy might be an offensive dynamo with the right skilled players. He's just playing good, and I feel like his his acceleration and his actual top gear, considering his size, is, is pretty nice. He's a very mobile big man, he's very good on the puck, and I just feel like he has everything that a natural center should have, especially at the highest levels. He was dominating possession and probably deserved more than the secondary assist he got on the second goal of the game by Jeff Malott, but, you know, it is what it is. Eventually, once he uh, actually gets skilled linemates again, I would imagine that he will be an unholy terror. Aside from him, I was also very impressed by Declan Chisholm. It seems like Declan is starting to settle in at the pro level. His decision-making seems a lot more composed and assured. He's making less really harebrained passes. He's less jumpy on the puck. His skating looks very effortless. His offensive instincts and in-zone activations are smarter. Again, this guy just looks like he could be a really good top four defender. I would say that he's probably like a second pairing guy, maybe in something like a Neil Pionk role. I don't know about his defensive body of work yet just because he's only had a few pro games. It'll take him time to acclimate to this level. But as far as like zone exits and stuff, he was actually handling it pretty well. He's uh, definitely one of those sleeper prospects that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough unless you know some folks who are into scouting and are really, you know, invested in CHL hockey. Outside of those circles, not many people know about Chisholm. But if his current trajectory is is going to continue and he actually continues to improve, I have a feeling he's going to be a very special player for this Jets team. He's got so many different attributes, especially offensively, that just make him a very unique skater in Winnipeg's prospect system and somebody who could offensively explode from the back end and on the power play. 
They'll need to let him marinate for a little bit, but I have to say his rapid improvement and his adjustment to the uh, AHL level of play certainly has me very, uh, very excited about his promise. Sadly, all the good stuff did not help the Moose from succumbing to Stockton 3-2 in overtime thanks to Matthew Phillips. The overtime shift I really hated because it felt like CJ Cease was out there with uh, Cole Perfetti and Billy Heinola. And while Cease can be really effective in front of the net, I feel like if you're if you're dealing with that situation, just go, you know, maybe two or three really high-speed forwards. And not having David Gustafson, Christian Reichel, or Marco Deneau out there who were all really effective in transition and forechecking, I just didn't really understand that decision. I feel like Vonsant kind of overthought this one a bit and should have just ran with his skill rather than trying to balance this 3-on-3 lineup, but it is what it is. The Moose still had a pretty strong game, especially towards the tail end. I'm sure that they will be satisfied with at least a point, but they do need to start improving their results and playing a bit more consistently, especially from the first period on. That kind of sums up my thoughts for the Moose, though. In just a moment, we will reminisce a little bit about some of the, uh, the Jet stuff from past lore and legend. Some stuff that has been resurfacing on Twitter, which of course made me a little bit misty-eyed for the good old days. But before we transition from future to the past, I did want to tell you a little bit about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, it's hard to know who you can trust and who you need to rely on, especially with all of these crazy sites and sketchy payment services out there. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, golf, and so much more all in full swing. If you aren't into sports, BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think the next person to get the boot on your favorite reality TV show is. BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to always make the most informed bets possible. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. To get started, log on to BetOnline.ag either on your desktop or on your mobile device and sign up for a free account today. When you do, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this uh, episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. I wanted to close out with some fonder thoughts from a few years ago. And uh, as you know, we've talked about this, this season in Winnipeg Jets hockey before, but 2017-2018 for me personally was probably one of the greatest experiences in my young life. I'll be honest, I haven't been alive that long, so it's not like I got around to see, you know, the Jets in the glory years of the 90s and Tay Mussolini and all that. But the experience I had spending time with, uh, you know, my Winnipeg Jets friends and family in, in Winnipeg, of course, during the playoffs, round two against the Nashville Predators. For me, that's something that I just always hold so near and dear to my heart, and I feel like that was one of the rare times where sports actually connected me to people in a way that was a lot more than just watching it together. And I, I always treasure those moments because I feel like, it, you know, so often in this this world, we don't really get many opportunities like this. When it comes to something like international football, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, soccer and football aren't always that exciting to watch. But it's more about the, the culture and the experience of being in that crowd and feeling the kinship and familial atmosphere that everyone shares together. It's just very different than what a lot of North American sports have. But I can genuinely say from the bottom of my heart that the time that I spent in Winnipeg when the Jets were playing the Nashville Predators that year is the closest thing I've ever felt as far as like a sports family is concerned. You know, everyone in Winnipeg was so kind. We felt unified. We were so happy and so joyful. And I always long for those moments again. I long to see everyone smiling, everyone joyful, everyone sharing in the, the happiness of a great hockey team 
you know, really helping us to push our dreams of a cup win and propelling our hearts in ways that we don't always get to enjoy, you know, in our normal day-to-day lives. That year was one of the rare times that I truly believed in a sports team's destiny to do something greater and ascend to new heights. And I felt like the Jets, for me, that was their year. That was the time that they would prove all the doubters wrong, that they would show us what they could truly be, and they came so close. And when they lost, it felt like a dream had been shattered, but, you know... I wouldn't give it up for the world because of the the time and memories that I made with so many great folks in Winnipeg, and I always think about going back when I can. Hopefully when COVID is over and things are safer to travel, I can't wait to go back to True North and uh, experience all of it all over again. Hopefully one day you and I will be able to share a pint at one of these Winnipeg Jets games, maybe a Stanley Cup Finals game if we're all really lucky. I don't know if the Jets will ever accomplish a cup win in my lifetime. I, I feel somewhere deep down one day they will. I don't know when it'll happen, but when it does, I hope to be standing there by your side in the street festival or inside MTS, wherever we can watch it together. I can't wait for that time. I miss Winnipeg so much, and I miss those times that we all had together in 2017-2018. That was, for me, one of the most important you know, fan experiences and just general human experiences of my life. I miss it every day. Every time somebody brings up that that season on my Twitter timeline, I always get a little bit uh, metaphorically misty-eyed thinking about how great that time was and how it felt like everything went right for Winnipeg. Hopefully we'll see the uh, the trophy one day hoisted up in the center of Portage in Maine, but for now, you and I will have to wait for those grand experiences. That will do it for tonight's episode, though. I hope you all enjoyed this walk down memory lane. Before you sign off for the evening, be sure to tune in to Locked on NHL. Every Wednesday on Locked on NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Evampato of Locked on Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked on Oilers. Whether it's a look at the top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked on NHL has you covered on Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked on NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great night. Love you all. And as always, go Jets go.